Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, it's been a hot minute. We've just jumped into this thing kind of without an itinerary. So let's start with the ever-present question. How are you doing? LJ, what a cap to a fantastic weekend. We had parents weekend at Syracuse. They get the win over NC State on Saturday. Um, Yankees lose Saturday night in a heartbreaker. They win tonight. They force a game five along with the Dodgers losing, the Phillies winning. It was the huge sports day Saturday. Deontay Wilder with a win. We were watching that fight. Oh, oh you watched that fight? I, we I, did. I opted for Devin Haney instead. We did watch the two minutes and 30 seconds of the Deontay Wilder fight that did occur. Um, just a fantastic sports weekend in general. And, you know, got got to have my mom out here in Syracuse, meet all my friends, all that stuff, all in good fun. Um, but we have baseball to talk about. Yeah, LJ. it was really cool. But let's also to just jump on your same point here really quick. This is also the first time that, or not that I'm usually that big on football. First time I've had no interest in watching the games on a Sunday. Really? I thought today was one of the best NFL Sundays I've watched in a while just because of my fandom with the Giants. I didn't even get to that in my yeah. intro. The Giants are 5-1. and one. I mean, like, this is crazy land for New York sports fans today. Honestly, and again, too, I had good matchups. I mean... You know, we we got Buffalo, Kansas City, which was it was solid. It was solid, but it was you know kind of on the back burner of my head. I watched mostly New York and uh, New York, Baltimore, and then I had on um, Austin and Salt Lake. In the NM- in the MLS playoffs. Yeah, 
I had, I was going back and forth between those during the early afternoon. And so, I mean, I was just, I was set between that, the college slate yesterday was unreal. And uh, it was so unreal that I didn't even watch any of the soccer. That goes to show you the type of time. It's October. It is. That's a fair question. Yeah, it, it's, it's still October, right? We've gone back and forth on this a lot. October or is it April? <laughs> the best month of the sports calendar? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, as a huge college basketball fan, I might side with April just because you get Final Four and National Championship along with baseball starting at the same time. And playoff basketball and playoff hockey and the Masters. But does playoff baseball and just like midseason NFL and midseason college football make up for it in October? Quite possibly. It's so close. I don't I the more I think about it, it's not close because you get I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm more entertained by these two playoffs than the other two playoffs, but this is it. Like, this is it for me. This is everything, and it's that perfect time in college football, too. But we are a baseball podcast, as you said before. We're not a Padres podcast. We're not a Padres podcast. Is that where we want to start? Let's start with the Padres. LJ. Um, Brandon. The Padres defeat the Dodgers 3-1. to Hold on, hold on, hold on. What is this you're telling me? You, the, the Padres. You the Padres, like the San Diego Padres, the ones the, that the Dodgers have spent years claiming aren't their rivals, correct? The San Diego Padres beat the L.A. Dodgers in a series after the Dodgers win 111 games. They beat them 3-1. to one. The Dodgers go... Two for 26 with runners in scoring position in the series. They leave 26 runs on base or 26 men on base. They um, only score seven runs in three games. The best lineup in all of baseball does absolutely nothing against this Padres team, which most people thought were going to lose to the Mets. And all of a sudden, you know, the question comes up, and I saw this from the top Dodgers beat writer, Blake Harris. Is this the biggest failure in MLB history? And I really don't, no. don't even know. 111 wins. And, of course, you can point at the 2001 Mariners, which won 116 games and lost in the CS. But you have another – you have a 111-win team losing in the DS, LJ. And all right, I see your take here. I see your case because the this 111 win Dodgers team has a better run differential. And that's what a lot of people are going on trying to call this team the best team ever. They're like, if they win the play, win the World Series, this is the best team ever because they've been so dominant from a run differential perspective. So I see your case. I just still feel, you know, the wins. The wins matter. The expected wins. I mean, it's not. It do, doesn't even get to the spot where Seattle was. But I under I understand where you are with this. I definitely do. And the frustrating part about it is there's nothing anyone can do other than the players just actually stepping up and actually doing something. I mean, besides Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, who actually, you know, that's the one guy. Or no, I think he. 
Trey Turner is probably the third best one coming out of the playoffs this year so far in terms of gainers, winners, and losers. Massive winner here because as a Trey Turner hater, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. It's not that I don't appreciate him. I respect the stats. But I still, even with this playoffs, uh, 1.111 OPS, I struggle to say, yes, this guy is an elite, like, can't miss signing shortstop, throw all the money at him shortstop because he fades to the background a ton. And even in this series where he hit above 300, it still also didn't feel entirely like he was ahead of that. But the numbers show it, so I guess I have to believe that he had a good postseason. But there were there were points in time throughout this series where he very much did not look good either. But past that, no one stepped up here. That's not on anyone else other than the team. Like, people asking if Dave Roberts' job security was in question earlier, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Because not only did you just get this team to 111 wins and a plus 334 run differential, but explain to me what poor decisions he made. If you can find me a couple bad decisions by Dave Roberts, I'll say, all right, maybe this series is on him. But as far as I saw, it was a pretty clean management, from a management standpoint, pretty clean series from him. They were just outplayed. Like, they were just outplayed. And I'm going to go off on a couple teams here who terribly mismanaged their assets. And that ended up costing them probably big time and maybe even big time down the road. But this one isn't one of them. That's why it's such an astounding choke job. It's it's amazing. And, you know, I saw some Dodgers fans saying, oh, you know, he left or he 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 took out a Yancey Almonte when, you know, he had all the momentum and he brings in Alex Vesio, who ends up giving up that big hit in the walk last night. I don't even know if you can really put any blame on, on anyone on the Dodgers other than some of these guys in the lineup, LJ. You look at a stat that in the playoffs really intrigues me is that championship win probability added. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Will Smith, negative 4.58%. Justin Turner, negative 3%. Gavin Lux, negative 2.89%. Chris Taylor, negative 2%. Trace Thompson, negative percent-wise. Mookie Betts, even in the negative percent-wise there. Um, Other than really Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, and Trey Turner, they got nothing from the rest of this offense in this, in these four games, which, you know, you expect, you know, three of these games end up with a score of five to three. But the, regardless, the Dodgers won this first game of the series. They were up one, nothing with another home game with, you know, it, it's, it's crazy to me. You're up one, nothing. You have Clayton Kershaw on the mound for a game two and he goes five innings three earned uh, I don't understand how to I don't even uh, I can't comprehend how to even explain this Dodgers loss in this series it's it's almost like it's still too early to me LJ to try to comprehend what actually happened even though it was a day ago 
And I think the theme for today said it. Who is our second favorite team in this postseason remaining? Because there are so many storylines that weren't expected coming into this that I that I just love so much that it's it's hard to pick. So let's go away from the negative on the Dodgers. Let's just focus on the positive. The Padres finally break through the little brother syndrome. You know, it's hard to say that that's still the case when you go and you win so completely like this. That's great. And my second point in terms of a positive for the Padres is really in in terms of why I would strongly consider rooting for them. My second biggest reason, I would love to see this team win because number one, they have always tried to compete. You know, you had a couple of you had the lean years where you were really rebuilding. And then immediately, once you felt ready, you started building back up. It started with Eric Hosmer. You move on to Manny Machado. And all of a sudden, this team really starts to build. Yes, you've had a couple of bad moves, but I'd rather you be aggressive and get burned than not make any moves at all, than not try. And so you have to respect the team for doing that. Number two, other than Manny Machado's very existence, this team has no controversy. I would love to see this Padres team win the World Series this year without Fernando Tatis, just because then, you know, there's one that's not disputable. I think the high-profile nature of his suspension and him and all of that, that's going to stay around. That's going to linger with him for years. That's how PD suspensions work with high-profile guys in their prime. They linger. And so if they went and went, won it next year for the first time, that conversation point is still going to be around the team. It's still going to be a part of all of this. If they win this year, if they win without him, it doesn't matter how many times they win after that because it's fully legitimate and that conversation point isn't going to hold as much weight as it would with Fernando Tatis out on the field for the first World Series. That's just one thought there. I'll let you, if you have anything to say on that. I mean, the one thing I have on the Padres, which, you know, I I don't know how much I buy into this specific thing, but I think it's interesting. They play in the, uh, according to the Nielsen ratings, which are still very highly used when it, in terms of um, market size and things like that. The question is, to try to stop you there. Why though? Honestly, this is just a rant I need to have real quick. Nielsen ratings make no sense because it's still the same, you know, small sample, not full population sampling when it is very, you are very capable of, you know, making it a stipulation through your cable company that they get to track that data with your, as a part of your membership, as a part of you having time Warner or spectrum or, um, Verizon Fios, whatever it is now that you use, that they get to track that data. Why would you not use full popu- whole population sampling when it's so much easier now than it was 10 years ago? Sorry. End of rant. And I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But my point, San Diego is, according to Nielsen ratings, whether or not you buy into them or not, and I don't know how much I buy into them. LJ clearly doesn't. The 27th 
largest market in the U.S. Okay. And, you know, I understand that, yes, the Padres are good. They have a big fan base. A lot of people watch their games. But we can't forget that this is a team that, if you don't count the 2020 playoffs, had not made the postseason in, like, 15 years. They hadn't made it in so long that, like, now when they finally do make it, like, and I don't want to say they're a small market team because they're spending money more than a lot of a, a lot of teams. No, and they also have done a good job, something you can't discount, taking control of the Asian market. Uh, absolutely. And Ha Sung Kim is their, according to baseball reference, their second best player by war this year, ended up with 4.9 war, which LJ knows my, my Ha Sung Kim stock that I bought before the 2021 season significant ROI on that but regardless I mean it's just like what they've done and you know you can hate all the moves that they made trading for you Darvish trading for Blake Snell signing Hassan Hassan Kim and then the deadline moves getting Hater, getting Juan Soto going all in it, it worked it's worked in the playoffs. You also forgot the biggest one. Trading for Joe Musgrove. Tr- trading for Joe Musgrove. Like, right? Like, there's so many moves. Small moves that they made also. Trading for Sean Manaya. Um, trading yeah. for Brandon Drury. You know, all these guys that they go out and get. Trent Grisham, who has been a massive, massive impact on their postseason this year. Milwaukee couldn't wait to get rid of him after the 2019 season, after he blew their chances of advancing past the Nationals, where they should have won that series if he doesn't make that ridiculous error in right field, right? All the moves that that they've made have paid off, and now they're playing in an NLCS with a chance to go to the World Series and will be favored, last I checked, the favorite to advance past the Phillies in that series. And we'll certainly get to the Phillies in a minute, but it's really just a credit to everything that AJ Preller has done. And, you know, who cares that they blew up their farm system at this point, you are literally eight wins away from a world series. Like you can't be mad whatsoever about your future. Um, that you gave up all your all these top guys, that you gave up your Mackenzie Gore, that you gave up whoever it is, you are so close to a World Series that you cannot even really be mad at what they've done, you know, with all the moves. No, and this group is young enough, and not, not in terms of, like, actual age, but, like, in terms of, you know, a lot of guys are just getting into their prime. They're really just getting comfortable there. But they they can easily have a couple more years of success without a farm system. Like this isn't the end of things for San Diego either. Before we move on, this is you know already going to be a, a lengthy show. I have two more things to talk about. First off, the best player in the postseason so far, the guy whose stock has raised easily the most. And Brandon was talking about this next take with another guy. It fits him now just as much, if not more. Your future National League postseason MVP, Josh Hader. 
five saves in seven games, Brandon. Five saves in seven games. Well, this kind of, is, it's a team that's not scared to use their closer in multiple games, and we'll get to that with the Yankees. Um, but and it, this is just this is such terrific performance out of Josh Hader against the Mets. Terrific performance against the Dodgers. He's gone out there fearlessly. First off, through the last several uh, games, he's he played in September, but. Through these postseason, it's been fearless, it's been gutsy, and it's been at such a high usage and such a high impact rate. It's absolutely amazing watching this guy work right now. And I, I just want to keep seeing it happen. Like, if even if they don't make the World Series, if they're able to get it to this to six games and he gets two more saves, I'd give it to him. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is high, high, high impact baseball right now. I totally agree. And we've had, we've been up and down on Josh Hader on this show for sure throughout the year, throughout the last two years. But we never gave up though. Um, Before you jump over. You just can't uh, give up on what he's done. Who cares? He had a negative one war this year. What you do in the playoffs is just so exponentially more important than anything that you do in the regular season. And I think that's the real theme of this postseason, especially with, you know, I'm going to be biased towards the Yankees, but there's certain players there where it's like, I could give a crap about what they did during the regular season. We're in the playoffs now with such an even playing field. Whatever you do from here on out, this is what fans remember. This is what fans judge you based on. So, Josh Hader, I mean, you're absolutely right. You hit it right on the spot. One of the most impactful players in this postseason so far. You pay position players for the regular season. You pay pitchers for the postseason. That's how baseball works. That's how this team is able to win because they have good quality depth from that rotation good impact players at the bottom of this uh, bullpen. My final thing I want to talk about with Dodgers Padres. Correct me if I'm, call me crazy if I am, but I think the Padres might have just accidentally discovered the new postseason pitching meta. I think at this point, you know, Maybe we need to talk 
about explore not pitching your best guy first. If you can get the opportunity, if you can get everything figured out so that he can still get in twice, because that's really what in a lot of ways won the Padres this series is the fact that you go out there. Julio Urias was easily the best pitcher on the Dodgers this year. There's a reason he started game one and he pitched very well in game one. You stick Garrett Clevenger out there. You're not really expecting to win the game that Garrett Clevenger pitches anyway, and you're going to have to have him pitch a game in this series, like it or not. Wouldn't you rather have it go up against the guy that you have the worst odds of beating, any, regardless of who's pitching? Like, if you have the worst odds of beating Julio Urias of any other pitcher in this rotation, I'd rather have the worst guy that has to start for this team going up against that guy. Yes, it sounds weird that you're throwing away a game, but by, just by doing that, it made the rest of these matchups look so much more friendly. You know, uh, just coming back from injury, kind of banged up this year, Clayton Kershaw versus you, Darvish. I like that matchup if I'm the Padres. I like Blake Snell versus Tony Gonsolin because Tony Gonsolin has been treated with such kid gloves time and time again throughout his career that it's not anything serious. And I'm going to pick Joe Musgrove over just about anybody. So that's how they won this. They won this because they didn't fight an uphill battle. They took what came to them. And that might be something teams want to play with going forward. Well, Eldre, let's stick with the National League. Braves-Phillies. Um, the Phillies are turning into, I guess, the one team per postseason that we see that are making kind of the miracle run. I mean, we were legitimately talking about them in the last week of the season, potentially missing the playoffs. Now they're in the NLCS with a chance to make the World Series. And once again, this is an example. The Braves just got outplayed. There's no excuse from Brian Snicker. There's nothing I think he could have done to prevent game three or game four from, you know, really taking a loss. You just, Aaron Nola just dominated you in game three. And in game four, the Phillies offense just overpowered you. And that's, you know, you got a not a great start from Cindergaard. You throw Charlie Morton out there, who you think is one of your better pitchers. What exactly are you supposed to do if you're Atlanta? I mean, you just got outplayed and another 100-win team. Actually, 101 for Atlanta, just looking like the worst team in a four-game – in what ended up being a four-game series. And how about – Reese Hoskins home run. I mean, is that not one of the coolest postseason moments we've seen in a long time? Absolutely. I am going to push back on this take that there's nothing Brian Snicker could have done because he's actually one of the two managers that I have an issue with, with how this postseason played out. And it goes back to game three, where I think everything fell apart for the Braves. Spencer Strider should not have seen the bump that day. There was Spencer Strider had no business being out on that field. 
he might not have had any business being on this postseason roster. This is me saying this again, fully. He is 100% the rookie NL, of the year. And I'll rookie of the year. He wasn't healthy. He so clearly wasn't healthy. And then you come to find out, I didn't realize this going into the game. They were only planning on taking him three or four innings, Brandon. This was a minor start. They were going to try to get like, again, try to get the 50 pitches they got out of him in here and hope to get those productive innings from this guy, suck those out of him while they had it and hope he's able to bring that stuff for that short amount of time. That is just, you're playing with fire, even with a good pitcher sending him out there that unhealthy. And that's why he got burnt. It was not because he was not ready for the moment because you look at those first two innings. Let's run through those real quick. It was a line out, strike out, strike out in the first strike out, fly out, ground out in the second. And then what happened? The young man got tired because he was hurt and clearly not on the best of his game. And that's when everything went south. That's when he got six runs. They they tagged six runs on the Braves in that inning. He got hit with five of them. And that is because you sent a guy out there who was not fit to be pitching. Great stuff was not fit to be pitching, was not in the form to be pitching. And you wasted a game. You blew your team's confidence in a 1-1 series. And worst of all, you've now put a target on this guy's back for the next postseason. If he's healthy next next time around, the talk is going to be about how he got blown up for six for five runs in less than three innings of work in his lone postseason start. All of a sudden, he has the you know the playoff choker whispers start coming around with this stuff. That's how it, it's not that that that's fair, but that's just how baseball works. That's how baseball media works. So. This is just a terrible job of asset management, and I think this is ultimately what changed the tide of the series. It's a very interesting take. I don't know. I have much argument to that. Um, even if they don't throw Strider, uh, I don't know if the Braves were were a good enough in this series to win, though. I don't. I don't. I don't I'm not saying that this is a guarantee playoff win either. Like, with especially with how tremendous the Phillies have been and let's remind you they have seen nothing out of Kyle Schwarber yet this year in this postseason you're only just seeing stuff that home run was about all you've seen out of Reese Hoskins so there are big contributors that haven't shown up yet and we know with Kyle Schwarber it really just takes one swing for him to get hot and how much of an impact could that have on an NLCS so this team already was, yes, in much better form and has much better potential right now than the Braves would have. But this is a much closer fight, both mentally and physically, had that decision not been made. Well, let's jump over to the AL. We have to talk about the 18-inning game. Um, so basically during this Mariners-Astros series, the Yankee – or excuse not the Yankee game. The Syracuse game starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Watch the whole game. Nice Syracuse win. 
get back traffic crazy it's the first like syracuse a sellout in years we get back to the apartment and we're like oh like look at this syracuse um you know they just happened to um or sorry uh the astros and 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 mariners it's it's tied you know late into it's tied late into um extra innings or this wasn't even extra innings it might have been the eighth or ninth inning at this point Yankee game starts. We're uh, keeping tabs on that. Me and my uh, roommate here in the apartment. All of a sudden, we get to like second, third inning of the Yankee game. We're seeing it's like the thirteenth inning, and it's still scoreless. We pull up the laptop, we fire it up, and we're still just sitting here watching an absolute battle between Seattle and Houston and Seattle's first home game in the playoffs since 2001 you know for a lot of people that are casual baseball fans they'll say the game was boring it was whatever the baseball purists absolutely loved this game LJ and even though Seattle lost and I hate that Houston won because I hate Houston, not because of the cheating. I'm past that, but just because they've been so damn good over the last however many years. I just wanted to see Seattle win. But in 18-inning game, at some point, you just have to appreciate the greatness from both sides for that long. I appreciate the greatness of both sides. That being said, and I pride myself on being a know, man of faith, a man of faith, but also a baseball purist, and you know me to be. I, I you know, even among baseball purists, I am one of the bigger fans of pitchers' duels. This game was painful. I struggled to get through this game. And it left me by the 13th inning begging for the runner on second base to come back. No, LJ. Yes. I wanted this game to go 25 innings. Here's my thing with with extra innings, with very few exceptions. I need, uh, mine is, it's kind of like a bell curve or not even a bell curve. It's just too sharp at the end. The anticipation and the excitement per inning builds all the way into the 10th inning, and then it starts to dramatically decrease. Maybe 11th inning. And then it builds back builds back up. So by the, by the 17th inning, I was getting back into this game. Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's the, the seven innings in between that weren't fun to watch because – the hitters weren't even close to competitive and the pitches they were good they weren't that good i can firmly say without a doubt the relief pitching in that tampa bay cleveland 16 inning game 15 inning game 15 excuse me 15 inning game was significantly more interesting to watch through the extras past the starters the relievers only i'm talking about the whole thing, actually. 
the pitchers were significantly more interesting to watch because the stuff was better. These guys were striking out at the same. It was almost the same in terms of strikeout numbers between those two games, because this broke the postseason record, uh, forty-two strikeouts in this game. That broke what was already set in the Cleveland Tampa game. But the strikeouts were better. And this game only broke it because they had three more innings. I don't know. I respect it. I enjoyed the ending. I mean, Jeremy Payne absolutely ripped that ball to win this game for Houston. And I also, you know, loved what we saw out of Lance McCullers Jr. Six innings, two hits, shut out. George Kirby also showed up, came absolutely came to play here for Seattle with seven innings shut out. But after that, it just really, I think the pitching quality fell off a cliff and so did the hitter quality. Like it just did not feel the same. It needed some form of stakes because I didn't find the quality to be as high as other extra inning games on either side, the hitters or the pitchers. If we're talking about 18 inning games alone, I think this is the worst 18 inning game of the three. But that 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 was just the way I saw it, having watched the majority of the game. Um, and I feel bad saying it is the worst part. But it just was very mid. Yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I'm just I am I I I like to embrace chaos. I just like these games to go on forever. I want to see what. I like having to see the managers actually have to manage. Oh yeah. In the playoffs, it's it's very good because like every pitch matters and like of course the managers are actually doing something. The front office isn't controlling them, except for the Yankees, and we'll get to that. Um, but you know, like when you get this late in games, it's like the Astros have to go to Luis Garcia, who they wanted to start the next day. And I just kept thinking, what if they lose? Like, what are they going to do in the next game? Like, what is the pitching path to victory in the next game for Houston the next day? Um, Super interesting stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I do get what you're saying, where there was some pretty non-competitive at-bats in there. Basically, like the 13th through the 16th inning, there was nothing – interesting yeah and Uh, it's like there weren't even stakes necessarily in the early innings because the pitching was too good right pitching had been consistently great throughout that would be a completely different story and it's not that i didn't hate it's not that i hated this game because i really did enjoy watching it and you know i even looking at the back back at the box score i'm kind of excited but it was disappointing for the amount of hype it gets to me because of that you look at even let's look at the last 18 inning game in the postseason let's look at dodgers red sox that game had action in the in the early innings it had action and runners on base throughout the extra innings you know you really just you got a whole lot of nothing once that extra inning started and that was the frustrating part of it all and that was a seven hour game dodgers red sox this was that was probably the game. best game i've ever watched and the Red Sox, and the Red Sox lost. lost. <laughs> yeah. Um. Regardless, Astros advance. 
to no one's surprise, they get the three-game sweep. They'll be playing in the ALCS for how many years is this in a row now, LJ? Uh, this would be five. They have 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 26 Six. years in a row. Ridiculous run that they're on. Um, pure dominance. And, you know, we've been hearing about, I've read books about the, what the Astros front office does. Um, it's just better than everybody. I mean, after this, they've conquered the regular season. They figured out the postseason. Is it time we anoint them? Is this the best front office in the league? Yes, because it's just so consistent. Like It's every year. Like it, it's, it's not just that it's every year because that that's a mentality thing that you can't teach. Like that's just got to be in the culture because I still, we still say, you know, best front office in the league, but I don't think they're the best set up. I mean, I'm still going to give that to the Braves. Then I'll give it to the Dodgers. Then I'll give sure. it to them. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. However, both of those teams, you know, they found ways to get cold and lose. It had nothing to do with their quality. They just weren't hot at the right time. How does Houston manage to get hot every year in time for the playoffs? That's the question that should be asked in terms of the mentality. But the depth organizationally is just so incredible because, you know, they've had to give up prospects to go out and do things. You know, you don't go out and get Zach Greinke for nothing. You don't go out and get Garrett Cole for nothing. You don't go get Justin Verlander for nothing. So they've given up guys from time to time when they've had to, and they still find ways to do this. Also, there's really only the one guy left of the position player core from the 2017 championship. Jose Altuve is just about it. So, you know, if you had told me three, four years ago that the Astros would have gotten there six times, it wouldn't have. It would have been impressive, but plausible. If you told me they did that while letting letting them walk, mind you, both George Springer and Carlos Correa, two of their biggest pieces, if not their two biggest pieces, they let them walk. They didn't even get prospect value for them. And just replace them with who came up. That's what's amazing about this. Is it's a completely different core now than it was in 2017, and they still haven't skipped a beat. 
and what's amazing about the the George Springer and and the Carlos Correa thing, the guy that was supposed to replace George Springer, Miles Straw, is not on the team anymore. They traded him last year, and Jeremy Pena. Oh yeah, we just have a top uh thirty prospect ready to replace our superstar shortstop, and he hits the game winning home run yesterday. Um, in the 18 inning game, he hits 22 homers this year, puts up a 4.8 WAR. Well, on a better defender than Correa too, which isn't isn't hard. Like it's or it's not easy to be no. a better defender than Carlos Correa. And we're gonna and we're not gonna sit here and act like Carlos Correa had a bad season either because he's opting out for a reason because he knows he's that damn good. He put up 5.4 WAR. I mean, it's ridiculous what Houston has done, but. They're in the ALCS. They'll play the winner of Yanks Guardians game five tomorrow. And we might as well get into that series. Oh, wait. Um, actually, I had one more thing. One last thing. Sure. Yeah, because I'm assuming you were thinking of the second uh, manager I was going to get on was Aaron Boone, weren't you? I, I, I'm going to get on him. Don't worry. Okay. Because the one I wasn't going to, I wasn't even going to go for Aaron Boone tonight. I want Scott Service. Oh boy, he got swept though. What 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 else could you have asked out of him? Maybe not to get swept, or gee, maybe just maybe. Should your big free agent target, your big money guy, have possibly just possibly gotten more than two outs in this series? How did this happen, Brandon? How did Robbie Ray find a way to get... Robbie Way? Robbie Way found a way to end up with two outs. I'm trying to scan through here to pick up the amount of pitches. Eight pitches in game three. And he couldn't have thrown more than four in the first one. Um, I think it was two. Or one, maybe. It was two. He had 10 pitches. How do you let Robbie Ray throw 10 pitches in your series and get swept? It, you know, honestly, I think that the Mariners don't see him as one of their top three starters, which is crazy to say if you were to say this at the start of the year, but I don't know how you see him right now as a top three starter on that team. I have a question for Mr. Brandon. Sure. Let's say they don't see him as a top three starter in their team because honestly he isn't, but that's okay because they if they feel four deep to me, like I have no qualms about putting Robbie Ray and Wabi Way into a postseason game. I think they have a, a group of four guys that I could not complain about any of them starting a postseason game. Yeah, they don't need to go get another. Uh starter this offseason they have a very solid starting rotation they are set with those four guys all four guys i could see next year under a three five absolutely so that that's really my line for like if you're going to be a legitimate postseason starter but if he's not one of your top three pitchers why did he start a game for you in the wild card you know the most important series for you you know the most important series is the the one going on right now. That's how it always should be. So if you're Seattle, you're in the wild card, 
you're also on the road in the wild card. How do you allow this to happen? Like, you know, why are you pitching Wabi Way in game two if he's not a top three pitcher for you? Why is he in that rotational group? And my second question for you is, is he not a top four pitcher in their rotation? Because yes, you needed to go out and you needed to use all of your depth and just get through the game, get through each inning. But what happens if they won? You're you're questioning what happened to Houston because, you know, they didn't need Luis Garcia. With Garcia taking all, all five innings helped them a ton because, you know, they got – yes, they used their entire bullpen, but that bullpen is going to be able to bounce back and be effective for back-to-back games. They have plenty of starting pitching depth where they're not going to have to worry about Garcia being down. But what would Seattle have done if they pulled this off? Now having thrown Wabi Way again, having warmed up Wabi Way again, he's not going out there and pitching game four. So you were either jumping back to Logan Gilbert on short rest or you were throwing somebody else out there. It just... And I'm not trying to say you should be playing for the future because in an elimination game, you have to go with what you've got. But it would have made more sense for for me to have gone to Logan Gilbert on short rest for an inning or two than it would have to go to Robbie Ray, Wobby Way, and then be completely screwed for a game four. Because they would have been up the creek without a paddle. There's no doubt about it. This is just, again, just like Spencer Strider, poor asset management. Speaking of playing for the future, let's get to the Yankees. Um, is it any surprise that that the that that there's no difference in the way the team is managed from the regular season to the playoffs? No, and Brandon, just so you know, I I recorded before yesterday's game, so within the canon of this show, it's still one one. I absolutely love that. Um. Regardless of what happened tonight, I'm not gonna my thoughts don't change. We knew since the since the day IKF got traded to the Yankees, he was a liability at shortstop. We'll trot him out there for 140 something games, even though we have a red hot shortstop prospect. He'll cost our starting pitchers and overall a pitching staff 30 pitches due to his two errors and five misplayed balls in this series. But I can't even be mad at the player anymore. Like we we just know he's bad, right? Like yeah, if we know he's bad in the field. I can't be getting mad at him for all the errors that he's making. I can only get mad at the people that are putting him out there, and that's Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. And look, I mean, in Game Three of this series, and I'm gonna pull it up so I don't, so I make sure I don't misquote anything. But, I mean, when you talk about classic Yankee collapses, it is that it is that game three in the series. You, um, you watched the whole thing, correct? Or no? Oh, yeah. Okay, so before we get to the collapse, I do have to ask a question. Okay. How the hell did Luis Severino get into the sixth? He was gotten it out, man. I mean, he was really gotten it out. Um, I stopped watching. I can't be mad at what 
I honestly cannot be mad at that because we left the bullpen. What was it? Nine outs? Basically nine outs after we brought in Trevino. Or ten outs. Ten outs for the bullpen to get, which is a lot of teams can do that. They can they can manage that. Yeah, this was actually, you know, I, I let's start with you know the end result. Five and two thirds, three earned, six strikeouts. I am cautiously pleased with what I saw out of Luis Severino as an objective re- commentator on the league. Cautiously pleased. I cannot be mad with that on the because playoff game. I really can't. No, I'm not. Again, I'm not mad. And I can't call it bad. However, I'm worried to call it good because the line itself, the numbers are good. But then you look at how terrible he looked through those first two innings. And I turned it off to, <clears throat> with the Guardians up 2 nothing, and I invested my efforts in Houston, Seattle at that point. I When I left that game, he was at like 45, maybe 50 pitches through two innings. And I'm like, there's no way he gets through the fourth. I'm like... It's not. I don't think it's possible him for him to get through four. He's certainly not getting through five, which he'd only done to that point once in his career. And I'm like, this kind of you know proves. If I was a Yankees fan, it would prove my worst nightmare, which is the fact that this guy can't pitch in the postseason. I wanted to see what the what happened with him when he was a three instead of a one because it's a different mentality. And all of a sudden, I saw, sat here and I was like, okay, here we go again. He's about to bomb another postseason game. And then all of a sudden I look at the stat line afterwards and he didn't. And I can't understand how the pitch count worked to get him to 106 pitches through six innings after what I saw in those first two. He just settled in somehow. I don't know how. I don't think there's any way to explain it other than he realized that he's like, okay, like this is game three of a postseason series. I actually have to like step up now. And he did. And I think a big part of it, LJ, was what we did in that top of the third inning where we score the two runs to tie yeah. up. And, and it was just so, so big for Judge to go yard there. Um, 450 feet or whatever it was, just an absolute bomb. And, and so to put my thought to rest here, I'm happy with it. If I'm a Yankees fan, I should absolutely be hoping that this is him turning the corner. But I also can't ignore what I saw early in that game. And next time he's out there, I'm still going to be just as afraid. Just because maybe he doesn't settle in the next time after a, sl- after a rough start like that. If the rough start comes again, maybe he gets burned more than he did. Because he should have been mur- burned a lot more than he did get burned by Cleveland in those first two well, but you can go ahead and take the regardless. Lead. Um, you know, I think that the main part of this game that everyone wants to talk about is the ninth inning. Yankees have a five to three lead. Um, we decide to not bring on Clay Holmes, um, because because um, it was his rest day, it was his rest day. Um, Aaron Boone had a bad dream, and he's like, no. So we don't bring on our closer. We bring on Clark Schmidt for the most important pitches of the season when we were scared to bring him on 
in game two and opted to bring a starter on instead of him um, in the highest leverage situation in game two. But we're okay with doing that in game three of the series. Um, and blows the game. We give up three runs. I, I can't really be mad. I mean, Wandy should have never been out there anyways for the ninth. You have Clay Holmes in the bullpen. You just bring him in. You have Wandy go that one inning um, or 1.1, and then you bring in Clay Holmes for the last three outs. And it's like, I just don't get it at some point. Like, I understand, yeah, it's the postseason. We're in a weird situation where you want rest. But Clay Holmes threw 16 pitches the day before. That's it. He didn't throw 30. He threw 16 pitches. And this is a guy that in game one on Tuesday threw 10 pitches, which was on Tuesday. What? And had at least six day, six or seven days of rest before that. No, he had more than that because he was hurt. And what makes me the most mad, of course, Clark Schmidt ends up blowing the game. And every if you're listening to this show, you know that that's what happened. Oh. Okay. Clark Schmidt. Uh, <laughs> regardless. He should have never been in that situation. They ask Aaron Boone. So remember, the manager is the first guy to get interviewed post-game. They ask Aaron Boone, you know, why was Clay Holmes not in the game? He says, oh, um, he wasn't available tonight. They ask Clay Holmes 10 minutes later, you know, they ask him pretty much the same question. What does he say, LJ? He says, oh, um, well, I'm going to find the quote, actually, so I don't misquote this, because this is actually too good. Like, this is actually one of the best things I've ever seen. Let's also remind ourselves, too, while you find the quote. This management could maybe, possibly, potentially be excusable. And I still think it's 50-50 whether it's excusable in a 2-0 series, giving this guy rest above all else. This is a 1-1 series. You could put yourself in an absolutely terrible position if you don't get this game right. Clay Holmes said he was surprised he was not used tonight. He said his arm is fine. Woke up today anticipating he would be on the mound tonight. Aaron Boone said Clay Holmes was available, but only in, in an emergency situation. Normal soreness for him, but nothing alarming. <laughs> How was this not an emergency? what needed best, to be more is, emergent the best is the quote from luis severino quote he's our closer so of course i was surprised i don't know if he was down there shouldn't be people down in the playoffs that's <laughs> something you guys need to ask aaron boone or matt blake to see what was going on there and, and meanwhile across the american league we have robbie ray coming in whenever scott surveys feels like it the Cy Young winner from last season. He's just coming in whenever. It doesn't matter when he comes in. Six innings in the wild card, sure. 
two pitches in the first game of the ALDS. Why not? You, you just go have fun. And it's like, at some point, I understand rest. I understand that the Yankees don't do things the most, you know, standard way. But it, come on. Like, this is the postseason. This is not time to be giving guys rest, Aaron Boone. You, you the Yankees, LJ and I texted our fancy football group chat today a huge paragraph, a huge rant. It, it, this is it's enough's enough, and it and it won't be enough because he's gonna be around forever. But at some point, you can't play for tomorrow anymore. You just can't. And it worked out, and I'm happy. I'm really, I really am, because we won tonight. And there's not going to be much for us to say about the game other than Harrison Bader is just a Yankees legend now with a homer in all three games in this playoffs, or all, or three out of the four games, I should say. But LJ, how long are we going to see them play for tomorrow? Is it going to be World Series Game Seven? And they're going to be saying, oh, no, we're actually going to rest them for 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 uh, tomorrow. Like, and I'm obviously being facetious and joking, but that's just what it seems like. You decide, oh, no, we're going to have Wandy Peralta. He can go seven outs. We can have him do that, even though he's probably never done that in the last, in, you know, in this high of a leverage of a situation. And when he gets in trouble. We don't bring in Clay Holmes. We bring in Clark Schmidt. And Wandy's back on the mound tonight. So if you really do care about rest, then what are you? What the hell are you doing letting Wandy go 27 pitches last night or only letting Lou Trevino go seven or Loisica go 15? If Wandy is truly this amazing shutdown guy and he's such a high-leverage pitcher, Dude, does he need to go uh, five outs yesterday? Does he? He's got five innings in four games. But Clay Holmes. And you can't make him not available for the winner go home. Like, he has to be available tomorrow. I don't get it. And I don't even want to talk about the offense. And because, you know, they actually made the right move today. It took 165 games them to realize that IKF is not a starting shortstop and he's a utility player and they put as Waldo with shortstop tonight. Hell had comes- to almost freeze over, which I think is the equivalent to Cleveland actually managing to pull off this series. Now this is also an interesting take that you know just something I'm thinking about now. I don't know, it just doesn't feel like maybe it's just the jerseys, but there isn't like this there's nothing scrappy about the Yankees. There's like in this series, there hasn't been any fight. Just the most corporate baseball team to ever exist. It's just yeah. like, oh yeah, like we're gonna I be have- in the postseason. Like, yep, we're just gonna be there. Like, there's nothing exciting ever about this team. And, and how much of that is because the players are bonehead GM for the last 20 years? LJ, every year in spring training. I convince myself, oh, it's going to be a little different. Oh, we're not going to be so reliant on the home run. Oh, we're fine. Oh, we're not going to leave $60 million of payroll off our playoff roster. 
we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to screw around our players in the regular season. Why? Like, LJ, you have to promise me next season in spring training, if I have any sort of excitement regarding the Yankees, just shut it down. And I hope we win tomorrow, and I hope we get to the ALCS. And this team, you know, I really want them to win. You guys know, LJ especially, and everyone on this podcast knows how much I care. I genuinely care about this team. But LJ, what is the definition of insanity? Would you like to say it for us? Repeating the same action again and again, hoping for a different result. And what have the Yankees done? The same thing again and again, hoping for a different result. I just we knew from the day they traded for IKF, he was not a shortstop. And no, it's the guy who won the gold glove at third base. <laughs> There's a great video of John Boy, and he's looking through clips on his computer that night that we traded for IKF. And he's trying, he's on live stream. He's trying to find a single clip of a IKF shortstop highlight. And he can't find one. He's like looking for a good few minutes on baseball savant and literally cannot find anything other than like an expected batting average of 300 on a ground ball where he made it like a nice backhanded play. And that was the only play that they could find where he made a decent play. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. And I can't, I'd have to question at this point, how much of them not having that fight and that just the chemistry being slightly off with these teams time and time again, is them not trusting what management's going to do or them not knowing and understanding what management's going to do because it's so erratic. Like your team shouldn't be this surprised by the manager's moves as they are in these postseason, this, these uh, post game interviews, but let's focus over to some other things. We got past the IKF world. Let's talk about another favorite topic of Brandon's Aaron Hicks. What the hell was that today? For those of you who didn't catch the game, and it's partially because, you know, Cleveland, that park is just very weird in terms of how the ball carries. But it felt like the Yankees... How many How many of them have there been in this series? At least three times where the Indians have, or excuse me, the Guardians have just blooped a ball to left field. And gotten it in. They had 15 hits yesterday. Like, I mean, it was, it happened. It's happened a lot to this team where there have been weak flies into left field that haven't been able to be tracked down by the third baseman, shortstop, or left fielder. Oh, no, LJ. Haven't you heard all the analytics? You have to play as deep as possible. Um, That's what all the teams are doing now. And like, I get that some analytics say, that you have to play your guys deep to prevent extra base hits. But when you're playing a team that literally does not hit the ball hard once, like the whole series. Well, I can I can think of one. Okay, I can also think of one too, but I'm not going to mention <laughs> it. Um, a team that has more soft hits than any other team in postseason history, and they've only played once, one freaking series and they're going to have more soft hits which is i think under under 85 it is under 80 miles an hour lj the guardians teams with most base hits hit under 80 miles an hour in a divisional series 
The 2022 Guardians have 12. They still have a game left. The next team is the 2021 White Sox with 10. So they already have two more soft, excuse me, soft hits. I have the hiccups because I'm so mad right now. Soft hits than any other team in the history of the DS. You don't think ever. It's like, hey, maybe because our pitching is actually good. And LJ and I just complimented that. And what Garrett Cole has done in the two in the two games really showed people that he's not a postseason fraud anymore. Maybe you play the outfielders a little more shallow. Maybe. Maybe. It's just a thought. I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's – I can't even blame the players anymore. Like, how can I blame the team? Because at some point, these players, they're there because Brian Cashman put them there. And because he's so smart and his stupid little freaking ego, ego is so – he's so worried he's going to damage his his, 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 his his ego by putting Oswald Peraza on the roster, by putting anyone on the roster that hurts the – whatever the Yankee way is, whatever this stupid – oh, my God, it's just so annoying annoying and you know nothing is going to change for the people out there saying fire cashman fire boom you really think that the house sign is going to do that you really think so you are absolutely insane for ever thinking that we would make a move like that absolutely ridiculous to think we would ever change one of those two because you know what they sell tickets they get people in the seats they're going to resign Judge, and it's going to be the exact same thing next year. And I hope we win tomorrow with James with a James and Tyone on the mind. I really hope we do, and I hope we get to the CS and some miracle run at the World Series because that's still, it's still possible. But this team, for a two hundred and sixty-two million dollar payroll, is playing like a team with a hundred million dollar payroll. It is the most ridiculous allocation of resources i have seen in the history of professional sports and there's no other way to put it you hit the nail on the head there you have brought up two more things before we end number one a player we can be mad at i found one one that has to get called out easily this might actually overtake the Andres Jimenez at bat from earlier in this um, series for worst play of the postseason. Aaron Hicks, how do you jog to a ball in the postseason? Can, was oh, that it's Aaron problem? Hicks. Oh, it's Aaron Hicks. We've been seeing this since since last April. Since April oh, yeah. 2021. Since April 2021. He's just, he got that contract and he said, Oh, I'm good now. This is the same thing as hitting the wall, having the ball fall and staring at it, like he did a month ago. This guy is not a major league player. I'm sorry, but I don't care how Brian Cashman thinks so. And he thinks he's worth $10 million are, a year. I don't care how athletic you are, I don't care. Even batting stats. If you're not willing to put in the effort here, you don't belong on any major league team, much less a postseason contender. 
it drives me nuts. It drove me nuts. I'm not, and I won't, you know, it is worse than the Jose Ramirez base running error on that play because that 100% was an error. Jose Ramirez would admit it. Tonight. Tonight, yes. But at the same time, Jose Ramirez might be the best base runner in the league. He might be one of the best players in the he league. He is one of the best players in the league. But I think, you know, it's not just one of the best base runners in the league. I think when you look at the effort he puts in and the efficiency of his routes, he might not grab a ton of bags because he doesn't have that type of that type of speed. But when you look at pure base running, he's pro he I would feel comfortable saying he's the best one out there. So if he makes a mistake once, I'm not going to give him shit about it. But this is time and time again from Aaron Hicks. The second thing I want to bring up is you mentioned Garrett Cole's start tonight. And as it is one of the stories of this postseason, it has to be discussed. Seven innings, six hits, two earned, eight strikeouts. What grade are you giving him? A plus for both starts. There's nothing. I mean, I get. Give him a B two days ago. Okay, yeah, I did. I give him a B, but LJ, based on the circumstances, what more can you possibly ask of this man? Can we stop moving the goalposts for him for postseason starts? Like, what more? He has a better ERA in the postseason than every single ace on every single other team right now. Oh, I'm not trying to move the goalpost back. 2.82 postseason ERA. Not only is he not close to a postseason choker, he is actually one of the best postseason pitchers of our generation. I'm I'm not disagreeing on this. I'm not trying to move the goalpost back. I'm just opening up this discussion because I think tonight, for me, I'm going to give him the same grade I gave gave him last time out. B plus, but for me, this one officially locked up the fact that this guy is not a you know he is not a fraud. This guy is a legitimate postseason pitcher, but I still do think there is more you can ask of him, and it comes with providing this consistency over the stretch of a longer, deeper run for the Yankees, which isn't entirely his fault, but it's a matter of earning the three hundred and fifty million dollars. That's what it all ultimately comes down to for me is now now that we've moved I've moved past the is he a postseason choker move way past that now I'm looking at the contract value because just as I said earlier you sign position players for the regular season you sign pitchers for the postseason has he gotten to the 350 million dollars yet I don't think so you sign these big big games you you sign these big contracts for them to be legends that's what you're looking for out of these mega deals do all of them work out no but if you're handing a pitcher 350 million dollars you're looking for him to become a legend within the yankees lore within this yankees era at least to be a legend in there and he hasn't lived up to that yet but i'll tell you where he is He's one game away. I'm I am very again, I'm I'm a stickler with the A just because we have seen such dominant outings from pitchers. Like I'm not gonna sit here and act 
like this game was Lance McCullers was better yesterday than Garrett Cole was today. I feel comfortable saying that. I'm looking for the elite dominant. If he can give me this with a couple more strikeouts. I mean, if we're looking for, if we're looking to give a line, but I don't think statistics are a fair way to quantify that. I need to see a outing where he's dominant from start to finish. And for Garrett Cole, I think that is very plausible. That can definitely happen. I need to get that from him until I'm completely satisfied. That's all I'm asking for is I'm asking for that moment. Fair enough. I need him to be two steps away from the Pantheon moment. And you certainly can't be mad at as a Yankees fan. I mean, both games he's pitched, we won. And he got the win. So it's like, you know, he did his job. But you're right. We pay him to pitch in the playoffs. Be very nice to win tomorrow and get and get him two more starts, hopefully two more starts in the playoffs for us to let him really show us what he's about. Absolutely. Um, did we have anything else? This evening? No, let's go Yankees tomorrow. The only game five that we get, we've got Jamison Tyone versus Plezak, I think. Um, no, Plezak pitched tonight. Uh, Aaron Savali. I believe it'll be Savali, but what it sounds like and what the logical decision would be, so most likely what Tito will do, I would doubt Aaron Savali goes more than once through the once through the order. You're not okay. giving this guy an actual starter's load. This is a remarkably rested bullpen in a bullpen that's handled a lot of innings throughout the year. So I have a feeling, you know, we'll get two innings out of Aaron Savalli and then every single person will get their opportunity to do their share before this game is done. I would hope that the Yankees have a reasonable leash on Jameson Tyone but who knows we might have to rest some guys because we do have to play if we win LJ we'd have to play on Wednesday so that only that would only be one day's rest um so you know we gotta play homes is ineligible yeah you know we really gotta be a care really careful with who we're using in a winner take all game because well if we do win LJ we do have we gotta play Wednesday Wednesday, so we we really gotta be careful. Also, Josh Naylor can go f himself. Like, dude, your 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 celebration tonight was just ridiculous. A uh, Garrett Cole said it was said it was ridiculous. Um, it was cute, just like a Garrett Cole said it was cute. Um, we'll see you tomorrow, but we will really see you tomorrow. Uh. Would love to see you actually, um, you know, like I get you're in front of your home crowd. You go crazy. Cool. But we'll wait till tomorrow. I'm going to make a note for. Oh, LJ, you have you have an apology. Oh, yes. Apology. Oh, my gosh. I almost forgot. Yeah, this this apology is going out to. uh, Harrison Bader. I would like to be the first one to say that I was flat out wrong for criticizing the roster makeup because, you know, I was, I was looking at him purely as, you know, the defense guy, which is a hundred percent necessary in the postseason. But I didn't see a world where they got Oswald Peraza 
or Oswaldo Cabrera into the lineup, which is 100% a necessity, where Judge wasn't also playing center. And I stood firm on the fact the best lineup for the Yankees was with Judge in center field. Harrison Bader has gone out there completely to prove me wrong. And, you know, I'm here for it. He's so freaking good, dude. Offense and defensively. It's been fun to watch. But as I was saying, I'm going to set a reminder for November 16th. Talk about Josh Naylor. Because I think you need to calm down just a little bit. I understand tensions are high right now. But that is exactly that is exactly what we're looking for out of postseason games. So we will get Brandon's true unbiased opinion in a month. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod. We will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 